Cool. How y'all doing tonight? Good. Tell you what, that was some good. That was some good worship time. That was some good time to connect with God, wasn't it? I really feel my heart's in a really good place where we can really do some damage here and speak some truth into in, into all of our lives. Because when I'm preaching tonight, I'm preaching to myself. Um, I need it probably more than all of you. So it's going to be it's going to be good. I'm excited. Before I want before I start, I just want to pray. So God, I thank you that these words that I speak are yours, and I thank you that. You are such a great teacher. I thank you that you teach every single one of us what we need. And I thank you, God, that you're so good that you're not holding anything back from us. That you want us to experience the fullness of who you are. So I thank you. You're so good. You're so kind. You love us so much in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So... Have you ever, okay, so recently I was talking to someone, I forget who it was, it might have been someone here, but I was, I, I looked back at my life and I was trying to figure out moments in my life that are very significant, moments in my life that I, that I say, wow, that moment, that, that event changed the course of my life. So have you ever done that? Have you ever evaluated your position? You can even do it right now, evaluate sitting in a chair and say, how in the world did I get here? Why am I here? And although our life is an accumulation of, of small, ordinary events, we all know there's, there's big events, there's substantial events that alter the course of our life. And what I'm saying is it's very important, it's, it's very imperative that we know how to choose and we know how to discern the right choice when those moments face us. So I look back at my life, I say, how do I, man, my life would be, what would my life be like if I never tore my ACL in high school and I got to play my senior year of football? What, what would have happened? What, what would have happened if I wouldn't have gone to Bible college and I would have chose to go into public? What would have, ha what, what would have happened if, if I would never would have chosen to go to Abby's house, Abby's parents' house when she was living at home at midnight and knock on her door and her, her mom answers and says, what are you doing here at midnight? I say, I just got to talk to your daughter. That really happened. And she worked at a bakery and she had to be up at three in the morning. Yeah, that's right. I did it for this very moment so I could tell the story so I knocked and I said, I didn't really need to talk to your daughter. And then her dad came and if you know her dad, I mean, he's a real, you won't forget it. If you ever meet my father-in-law. So he comes in, he's, he knows me, but he's looking at me. What are you doing here at midnight? I said, I really just got to talk to your daughter. He couldn't, couldn't wait till morning? I said, no, I couldn't wait. So then she comes out. Did you still have your retainer in your mouth? I'm just, I'm just. So she came out, she looked beautiful, even though she just woke up because she went to bed at like 9, or 9 p.m. So she woke up, what are you doing here? And I, and I spilled my feelings. And I remember what I said, I, I was so strategic, I was so good, I said, because we were really good friends. We were, like, we were like really good friends. You could say I might have been in the friend zone, but I was trying to get out of it. So... I said, you know, Abby, I, I really, 
really appreciate and I value our friendship, but I'm willing to risk what we have for something more. I said that. I said that and she said, yeah, let's do it. So we started dating and the rest is history. But I'm saying, what if that I never would have done that? My life would be so different. So there are these moments in our lives that are very significant. So we need to know, we need to realize and be able to discern how to make a good choice that's going to propel us, that's going to catapult us towards our destiny, towards our purpose. You following? So, like... I really think of this as like football games. So I played high school football. I was, I was the quarterback. So if we lost, you know, if we lost a game, which happened more than, than we won, but that's, you know, different story. So I would, I would lay in my bed at night. I couldn't fall asleep. And I would just think of all the plays. And I would say, man, if only, if only I would have done that. If only I would have just not thrown an interception. If only I would have just thrown an accurate pass, then we would have won the game. Because football is a... It's a sum of small plays, but it's usually these big moments. It's the touchdown. It's the interception for touchdown. It's the long touchdown pass. It's the, it's the punt return for the touchdown. It's these big moments that we remember, but it's the small moments that get forgotten. But it's these, it's these moments that we remember that we lose sleep over. So we need to choose well. We need to be a people. We need to be a group of people who are choosing choosing the right choice more than we're choosing the wrong choice. So we're going to look at someone in the Bible here and we're going to see what he had to do. We're going to see what his experience was and we're going to learn from it. So 1 Samuel 9, 5 and 6. Before I go into that, I got to give you a little backstory. So last week we talked about Samuel and how his listening led to his legacy, listening to the voice of God. So now we see Samuel as an old man, a prophet. And we have Saul, who's a young man. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, which is a very, you could call it a lower class of the tribes of Israel. And Saul's father had a job for him. He said, okay, Saul, they lost their donkeys. So they lost their donkeys. So his dad came and said, Saul, you take a servant. Now you go find the donkeys because we lost them. So Saul and his servant are going from town to town. They're traveling for three days looking for these donkeys. Looking, 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 and they don't find them. The title of my message is called From Donkeys to Destiny. Nick suggested that I use the King James Version. You can look it up in your U Version and you can figure out why I'm not using that. From Donkeys to destiny. So here they are, Saul and his servant. They're looking for these donkeys. Donkey. They're looking, they're searching, and and sometimes we can glaze over these stories and we can just read them, but I want to try to put yourself in their shoes. So you and your buddy are walking around for three days looking for a donkey or donkeys. I, I can imagine that Saul and his servant were getting pretty sick of looking, pretty sick of walking, pretty sick of explaining why they're in the town. Why are you looking? We lost our donkeys. I mean, you know, we can imagine that they probably were not thrilled about what they were doing. 
we can probably imagine that they were tired of looking. So let's go, 1 Samuel 9, 5 through 6. When they reached the district of Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant replied, the servant replied, look, in this town there's a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. So they go and they're looking for this man of God. It's Samuel. It's the prophet Sam. We can call him Sammy. So they're going to look for this guy named Sammy, this prophet. And, and they go and they find the town and they ask this woman, where's, they call him a seer. It's really just a prophet. Where's the seer? And she said, oh, he's up in this town. You need to go there now. He, and you can find him there. You can find the seer in this town. So go to the town and, and you can find him. So 1 Samuel 9, 15 through 17, we're skipping some verses here. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. So the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people of Israel. He will deliver them from the land of the Philistines. I have looked on my people for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul was looking for a donkey. God was preparing him for his destiny. What's the donkey in your life? Who's the donkey in your life? Nobody caught that? That was a courtesy laugh. I'm just going to keep going. First Samuel 9, 18 through 20, we're going to continue. So Saul approached Samuel in the gateway. So let's, let's remember, Saul's worried about the donkeys. Samuel doesn't care about the donkeys. Saul's trying to find... The donkeys, they're going to Samuel because they, they, they thought maybe he's a man of God. Maybe he can tell us where the donkeys are. Maybe he can direct us to the right path. He hears from God. Okay. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? Remember the seer's the prophet, Samuel. I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you that all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys, I love this verse. You lost three days ago. Do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you in your whole family line? When you come to God with your problems, He's not necessarily worried about taking care of the problems. He's more worried about putting you in a position of royalty. And the problems get taken care of anyway. C.S. Lewis has a quote. It says, shoot for heaven and you'll get earth included. Shoot for earth or earthly things and you'll miss both. If we come to God with our problems... He doesn't want to deal with the problems. He wants to deal with your destiny. 
That's a good word. And your problems get taken care of in the instant because now your perspective is totally different because you came with your problems and you realize, I'm a king. And now your problems don't seem so significant because you're royalty, because you're seated, because Samuel, because God is trying to seat you next to him, because he has this seat ready for you, designed specifically for you. He has this feast in front of you, this feast ready, and he's saying, all you have to do is come and sit down. You don't have to do anything. Saul didn't do anything. He didn't say the right thing. He was probably pretty dirty and stinky. He probably didn't bring his resume with him either, his kingly resume. He just came as he was, and God said, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. 1 Samuel 9, 21. In too much, I feel this way. We can feel this way about ourselves. Saul answered, but I am not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel and is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. Why do you say such a thing to me? It didn't make sense to Saul why he would be chosen. It didn't make sense to him because he said, well, I'm of like the least clan. Well, you know, I don't really have a, a good resume. I don't, why would you choose me? I'm the least. God says, I choose the foolish things to fool the wise. I choose the lowest things to bring them up top. There's a saying, it's pretty common, you might have heard it before, it says, God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He's not looking for people who are ready, he's not looking for people who have found their donkeys. He's looking for people who are ready to be seated at the table. So my question is, are you ready to be seated? Because it's all, it's all ready for you. It's all prepared. He's got the best meat. He's got all the food, the feast. He's not holding anything back from you. He's given you his best. He gave us Jesus. He gave us it all. And he says, go ahead. But the problem is we say, but we're, but, but we're just sinners. We're, we're not worthy of it. We're, we don't deserve it. It's not a matter of deserving it. If you want what you deserve, then go to hell. really want what you deserve. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned and fallen short. If you want what you deserve, I don't want what I, I don't want what I deserve. I want him. I want to be seated at the table. And he says, then come sit down. He's invitations to all of us. Then come sit down. This is good news. So my first question to you, I've already asked it, but I'm going to reiterate it. What is your donkey? Who is your donkey? Are you your donkey? Are you chasing your donkey around in circles? Because here's the deal. Saul had a problem. He had an issue. He had worries, he had anxieties, he had, he had conflict. And it was, he was looking for his donkeys, but he couldn't find them. In the same way, I have, I have problems. I do. I have big problems. I'm human. Raise your hand if you're human. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a human. Some, babe, where did this come, who bid? Did that come from, where did that come from? I'm a humid. 
I don't know. So maybe a blog camp thing. Sorry for my weirdness. So we're human. We have, big, we have problems. But guess what? God's not, he's not worried about the problems. He's not worried about the donkeys. He says, just come, just come. Just sit at the table. Just sit at the table. So what's your, what's your donkey? Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Saul was looking for these donkeys. He's probably pretty anxious. But I think God is telling us, he's, he, through this story, he's saying, don't, don't worry about your problems. You got problems, but really, we're not, when I think about what God thinks about my problems, is I say, okay, God, what do you think about these? And when, the answer I always get is he says, I don't even see them. The issues that are staring us in the face, God doesn't even recognize them because the only thing that I can see is Christ in us. So we're here staring at our problems and God's saying, what are you looking at? He only sees Jesus. He sees Christ in us, the hope of glory. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say that I don't care about your problems. I'm not trying to say that you're not going through issues because here's the deal. I understand. I talk to you. I talk to people. I understand that everyone is going through stuff. Everyone's going through stuff. And to be honest with you, it's hard for me because I don't go through a lot of the stuff that you've been through. I haven't been through the stuff that you've been through. So how do I relate to you? How do I communicate? And what the answer that I got Alex, I was just sharing this before service, sharing this with him. I said, well, what about Jesus? Do you think he could relate to people? He never sinned. How did Jesus relate to people? You know what he did? He, he related to them by calling out their destiny. He wasn't worried about their problems. He was worried, worrying about their future. He was calling them into something else. He wasn't calling them out of their sin. He was calling them into their destiny. So God's, you know, we have problems and I'm not trying to discount them. I'm not trying to minimize them, but I'm saying God cares so deeply about our problems more than even we care about them. He wants us to be delivered from them, but the only way to be delivered from them is to come to the table and eat with him. Eat the feast that he has just given to you, the best food. He's given us his best. So he's looking for the donkeys and then there's a fork in the road. Saul has to make a decision. He says, okay, my dad is probably worried about me more than he's worried about the donkeys. Okay, he talks to his servant and says, servant, let's just, let's just go home. Let's just go home. And the servant says something. He says, no, 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 let's not go home. There's a man of God here. Let's, how about we go talk to him and see if he can show us and tell us where the donkeys are. You're going you're gonna to hear me preach now. There's points in our lives where we can think logically or we can follow our gut. Logic told Saul to go home. His servant, his servant, his servant who's not even named, said, how would we go find that man of God? What, what if that servant would have never spoke up? What if that servant would have never said anything? My question to you is, are the people that are around you keeping you from from encountering your destiny? 
Are the people, if you look to your left and you look to your right and you, and you think about your life, are the people that you hang around with keeping you from experiencing the fullness of God? Are they pointing you towards your purpose? Are they the, are they the, uh, the servant who says, how about we go talk to the man of God? Are they the people that say, yeah, let's just go home? Look to your right, look to your left. Are those people pointing you towards something or are they dragging you away? And it's important that we, we evaluate this because it can keep you from that moment that changes everything. Because Saul would have never met Samuel. Samuel would have never been an anointed king. Who's, point, who's helping you direct your life? Because it can keep you from your destiny. It can. It's, that, it, it's, it's their truth. And are you a person? Are you the person who's directing other people towards their destiny? Or are you the person that's keeping them from it? Because I want to be, if I want to be anything, I just want to be someone who pushes people towards, their, towards Jesus. I want to be a person who pushes people. I want to be the least of these. I want to be the least. I don't want to be, I don't want to be put on a pedestal, I want to be the guy. Remember Edward Kimball from a couple weeks ago? Anybody? Were you here for that? Edward Kimball, the guy who led Dwight L. Moody, who eventually led Billy Graham. Nobody knows Edward Kimball, but that's, that's who I want to be. Be the servant. Be the servant. There's a fork in the road. And I said it a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again because I think it, it applies. You can't disobey your way out of your destiny. You can only prolong the process. So you're never too far gone. You never made the wrong choice and it's over now. No, there's always options. But if you continue in the way that you've always done things, nothing, no, no, nothing's gonna change. There has to be a change in your perspective. There has to be a turning towards, turning towards God, turning towards his goodness. And the reality about these moments is you cannot predict them. You cannot prepare yourself for these moments. Saul was out looking for a donkey. The, the last thing he thought he would ever do is become king. So what it tells me is that you cannot predict it. You cannot prepare for it. When, when Saul showed up to Samuel, he didn't have his, his resume. He didn't have his, his suit and tie. He wasn't showered. He wasn't clean. No, he was dirty. He was tired, he was hungry, he was stinky. God's not waiting for you to find your donkeys. You can't predict when it's gonna happen, so we need to be ready. We need to be ready, because we cannot predict. We cannot say, oh, this is the moment that everything is gonna change. No, it just happens. It just happens in an instant. And in an instant, Saul went from being a caretaker to the king. In an instant, from a caretaker of donkeys to the king of all of Israel. So he's not waiting for you to get your ducks in a row, guys. He's not waiting for you. You don't have to have your life all together. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is say, okay, I believe. Okay, God, I want to sit at your table. And believe that he's so good that it requires nothing from you except to believe. It's, it's such good news. You can't, you can't tell me, if you told Saul the day before, hey, you're going to be a king, he would say, no way, man. 
<laughs> like, are you, are you serious? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. No way. That's like someone telling you tomorrow, you're going to be president of the United States. You're like, come on, bro. I don't even know what I'm... Seriously? No. Although I think I might be a pretty good candidate. Some of the candidates we have. But it's a different, it's a different discussion. So it happens when you least expect it. Happens when you least expect it. So we need to be ready, guys. We need to be ready for these moments that change the direction of our lives. Then when we look back, we say, oh my gosh, oh, that moment was so important. That moment could be tonight. The moment could be tomorrow. That moment could be next week. The moment, he's not, he's got a lot of moments for us. It's not just one. He has a lot of moments ready for us. So he's calling our, he's like calling our names, right? In Ephesians 2.10, he says, I have good things prepared for you to do that you should walk in them, that you should walk in them, that you should walk in them. Should means we don't have to, that we should walk in them. Good things for us to do. Good things. He has them planned out, but God's not forcing us to do it. And sometimes it's when we're least ready that he presents the opportunity to us. So just the other day, it's just crazy how things work and God works situations out. Um, Tuesday night, I was at the Grand Rapids Dream Center serving with them downtown. It's an organization that does like an adopt-a-block thing in downtown Grand Rapids where they come in and they do a, you know, a Sunday school for the kids and they do a little message and then they just serve food to the people in the community and just love on them. So I was just there helping. I was picking up trash. And just before we went there, um, I just got to be real. Sometimes my wife and I do argue <laughs> at times. <laughs> and on our way... We got in an argument and I was sitting in the car and I was driving and I said, and we were almost there, I said, I, I can't even go. I, I, I'm not in the right state of mind to go to the Dream Center. I can't, I can't give them my time. I'm just, man, I'm so frustrated. I can't even do it. We ended up going anyways. So I was picking up trash next to this guy. Little did I know that God will set me up to, to be with this guy. That he was setting me up for a moment that would potentially influence someone's life for the rest of their lives. So this guy was going through some stuff. This man was going through some stuff. And I, and I just, I was like, God, oh my gosh, I'm not even ready for this. He said, you don't have to be ready. <laughs> like you can't prepare yourself for those moments. It's most times when you're least ready that he presents them to you. And you can either crawl in a hole and say, I'm not in the mood. Or you can say, I'm sorry, God, you're so good. Oh, that you did this even though I was not even in the right frame of mind. So I poured truth in this guy, and I strongly believe that that was his moment. Not because of me, but because of God. It, he didn't tell me to go talk to this guy. It just was like, it was just like God let us, to, he brought us together, just like how God brought Saul and Samuel together miraculously. It was just like, oh, hey, we're talking about, and I, I didn't even ask any good questions. I, didn't, I was just being quiet. I was like, not, I was trying to be in a good mood, but at the same time, I was like a little frustrated. And he was just talking and talking and talking. And he's like, yeah, I'm dealing with this. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Okay, God, I know I'm not ready, but I guess 
I'll just speak the truth that I know. And I said, I'm sorry, God, but speak through me here. And I spoke life into him. And I gave encouragement to him. And I said, you know what? You can do it. You can do it, man. I said, God believes in you. And he said, okay, man, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. That was a moment for him. But if I, but if I would have been selfish, if I would have let my emotions carry me, I never would have been ready for this, this moment that God plopped right in front of me. It's the everyday things that matter. It's the everyday. So Saul's problems propelled him to his destiny. Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I know that in all things, turn to your neighbor and say, all things. It doesn't say good things, it says all things. All things uh, includes bad things. <laughs> he used, so I'll, he, God uses bad things for the good of those who love him. He uses your donkey for good. He uses your problem to propel you. He uses the things that frustrate you so much. He uses the people that are so annoying to you. He's, he's waiting for you to allow him to, just, to change it all so that those problems become your purpose. And your perspective about your problems change and it's not about the donkeys and we come to him and he says, oh, okay, I'll take care of your problems too. I'll just take care of them. They're okay. It's all okay. So what if, what if the very things that you're going through right now, what if those things are, are preparing you for your destiny? What if, what if those very things are just setting you up to sit at the table with God? just like Saul did. What if, it's the title of the message, what if your donkey is setting you up for your destiny? What if you're not in such a bad spot after all? What if you're not too far gone? What if the person in front of you needs you to be available for a moment? And we have to overlook our problems and see from his perspective. in a moment. So I have a story about, man, it was probably four years ago, three years ago. I was at Cornerstone and I was sitting in the back, it was during chapel and I was just, you know, I was wearing worship, so I was, you know, worshiping, whatever, just singing, singing along and, and all of a sudden God puts on my heart, he says, you need to go you need to go talk to that guy way up there. It's a, it's a guy. He's here right now. <laughs> He's way up in the front. He said, you need to go tell him something. So after, after chapel, I walked up to him and, I, and he, was talking, he was talking to some people. And you know that awkward I fought with? I was like, man, he's talking to people. Maybe I shouldn't say something. Maybe I should just leave him alone. He was in a conversation. But I was like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to go. <laughs> You ever seen that movie, uh, We Bought a Zoo? Yeah. It says it only takes 
20 seconds of insane courage, 20 seconds of bravery to change the course of your life. 20 seconds, sometimes even shorter than that. So I go up to him and I say, hey man, I know this is gonna sound really weird. I know that um, no one does this at Cornerstone. (laughs) But I said, man, I really feel that God wants me to tell you that you're a light to this campus, that people look up to you. And this was a time, who knew? This was a time that my good friend now was in a moment that he was going through that right there and it was in the beginning stages. And he said, he said wait, you, God told you that? I said, I really feel he did. He said, this is amazing. He said, I'm just learning about all this. Now you say this to me. And we went and talk and talk for about like an hour and a half. And it was, it was awesome. It was just divine appointment. It was this amazing meeting with someone that just happened. And I can tell you confidently that it, it has been so beneficial for this person to be my friend. It has been so foundational for me to have someone that I can run with, a brother in Christ that I can run with. And it all started because of this, just, just this moment. This moment. So my question, my last, not my last question, I have some more questions. My la- Another question is, which character are you in the story of Saul? Which character are you? You don't have just to be one. You know, sometimes in a day, we're going to be different characters. You can be Saul one day. You could be Samuel. You could be the servant. My question is, which character are you? Right now in this moment, you can evaluate. Are you Saul? Are you the person who's just got a, a lot of problems? Are you the person who's just like, man, I don't, I'm, so, I'm so lost. I have no clue what direction. Should I keep going? Should I go back? Should I, should I just go home? What should I do? Are you that person? It's okay if you are, because I have times that, that I'm that person, not that person. You know, we don't have to be these people all the time, but we can, there's different moments that we're these different people. So are you, are you, uh, are you the servant? And you get the privilege of directing your friends. You get the privilege of directing the people you're with to go into their destiny. Who do you want to be? Which character do you want to be? 1 Samuel 9, 27. As they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. Come on, servant got the short end of the stick. Servant could have said, man, what are you serious? I'm the reason why you're here. I'm the reason why you're in this position. But now I gotta go home? Come on, son. I'm the reason, I, got, I gotta go home? No, no. Or he could have said, man, I got to see my friend Saul go to be king. I was a part of that. I was a part of that. And we get to be those people that get to propel our friends, their destiny, and we get to see them rise up and go and go and go and go. Be an encourager. Be the one who propels your friends to destiny. And be okay with that, that you can be the least, that you never get recognized because in, in uh, Matthew 9.30, it says, but Benny, Matthew 19.30 says, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. <laughs> I want to share a story about my friend Bobby here. So, Bobby, 
Bobby's an awesome dude, man. He works at, uh, for, at a landscaping company. So one time he was going, he was just, part of his job is, you know, having relationships with the people that they're doing landscaping for. So he goes to this man there in these condos and it's a 92 year old guy. And, and he says, you know, and he's just talking to him and he finds out that he has a lung problem from a stroke he had a while back and he had a really hard time breathing. And so Bobby just says, hey, 92 year old man, hey, can I just pray with you? He said, you sure go on ahead. So he prayed for him. He says, God, I pray that you, that you just heal him right now in Jesus' name. You give him full breath. And then as he was praying, he saw, he saw the old man crying. And he said, and Bobby said, can you breathe better? He said, no, I can't breathe better. But he said, I'll remember this moment for the rest of my life. 92-year-old man. He said, I'll remember this moment for the rest of my life. Are you going to be the person who's given the people around you the moment they'll remember the rest of their lives? I think I remember the Titans. Coach Yost. They're in the huddle. He says, he says, you make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. You make sure the people around you remember forever the day they came in contact with you. You make sure that they know, man, I met a Christian once. Man, that was, I remember that moment. I remember that moment I met that Christian. Be the one that they say, yeah, that moment changed my whole life. That they can look back to the time that they met you and say, if I wouldn't have never met that person, I never would be where I am today. Be that person. We all have a desire in our heart to be that person. Don't have an excuse. Be it. And if you're not, if you haven't found your donkeys, still be it. If you have problems, still be it. That they'll forever remember the day that they met you because you have the hope of glory inside of you. So when they meet you, they don't meet you, they meet Jesus because he's overflowing out of you. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. We can do it. Imagine if we had 130 people tomorrow be the change. Imagine if we had 130 people going to Applebee's, going to Uccello's, going to the mall, and people are just like, oh yeah, I met, I met the people who go to Access. I remember the moment I met that guy. Yeah, he said he went to this church called Resurrection Life and met Access. Maybe I should check that out because I remember the moment I met them. Come on, we can do it. Man, it's like I'm in a huddle at a football game talking about Coach Yo's remember the Titans, come on. <sighs> Maybe you're Sam. Maybe you're Samuel. And you get, the, you get the opportunity to show somebody that they have a seat at the table. Maybe you get to show someone that the way that God sees them. Maybe you get the privilege of co-laboring, working with God, and bringing someone into the kingdom of God. Man, man, what a privilege that we get to work with God, that we get to work with him. It's amazing. But we're not working alone. We have Jesus' model. 
It says in John 12 that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And in John 5, it says, I only say what my Father's saying. And Jesus is not giving you that same spirit. So we don't walk around alone, alone on our own, doing it on our own will. No, we just do what the Father tells us to do. And we say what the Father tells us to say. That's why it's so important. Our message last week, one word, that we get that one message from God because it leads us to a legacy. It listening leads us to the legacy. It leads us to these moments that we get to experience the life change, experience propelling people, and we get to experience our own lives changing, just like Saul. This is good news. This is awesome news. Matthew 22, it talks about a verse. It says, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Another verse says, many are invited, but few are chosen. And a lot of people discount themselves because they say, well, I can't do that because I'm not chosen. I want to give you the JB version. Jake Blaukamp. Version. (laughs) Many are invited, but few are available. He's invited us all, guys. My question, are you available? Are you available for him to work through you? Because he wants to, and he's not even requiring you to have it all together. <laughs> Good news. It means he can use me. It means he can use me. Wow. One moment. Moments happen every day. It's exciting a part of Christianity. We get to be a part of those moments every day. We get to see the problems that we have and we get to ask God, okay, God, what's the solution? We get to say, okay, I have this problem. I have this conflict with this person. God, what do you have to say about this? And that we can be, the, we can be, we can work with God to be the moment for someone else. Man, that's exciting. This is a whole new realm of Christianity. This is a whole new realm of having a relationship with God. It's just not about me. It's about him being in me, overflowing inside of me, and then going out from me. So my question to close with is, who are you? Like, Which character are you right now? Some of you in this room might be saying, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but... I just never had a moment before. I never had that moment that changed my life. I never had that moment that really just made a difference. I have a message for you. Your moment's coming. Your moment's coming. God's not lacking in moments. He's got a lot of them planned out for you. But are the people around you leading you away from those moments or towards those moments? They're coming for you. Those moments are life-changing. What if, I, what if I told you that these moments are not dependent on God? What if they're not, what if God's not the one who's holding it back from you, but we're the ones holding it back from ourselves? These moments are available. I, I, I was running today and I, and I walked by and I ran by a, a woman who's at the bus stop and, and God told me to go, just say, hey, go tell her that I love her. Go tell her that I love her. And I ran by and I didn't do it. He's waiting through these moments. Who knows what that woman, that woman needed to hear at that moment. Maybe that was her moment and I, and I missed it. But he's so gracious, he doesn't hold back on these moments from us. 
they're still there for us. They're still there for us. Are you the person who's looking for the moments? If you are, keep looking. If you're the person who's looking, they're there. Keep looking, keep taking risks. You can't have a moment unless you have those 20 seconds of bravery. Those 20 seconds where, you know what? I don't care what I look like. I'm just gonna go try it. What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. What's the worst that can happen? I get rejected? Well, I'm accepted in Christ, so you can't reject me. What's the worst that can happen? And others have never surrendered. Maybe some of you have never surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you're saying, man, this is really, this is like exciting. Like, I want to be a part of this, but I've never, I don't know what to do. And, and what I really feel is that some of you right now, there's this thing tugging in your heart and it's like your heart's beating fast and you're like, I really don't know what to do with all this. I, I, I'm confused. My, my thoughts are going crazy. Is this really real? Is this, is this for me? Is, what's going on with all this? Others of you are like Saul and you're still in your problems and you've never come to sit at the table with the king. You've never come to sit at the table that he has prepared for you. I want to say something. It's your night. Life with Jesus is the only life. Life with Jesus is the, is the only way. Life with Jesus is, the, is what you were made for. And you, your problems get taken care of when you come to the king. They get taken care of because he says, you know, you're a king. Your royalty, come sit with me. Ephesians 2, 6 says, I gotta flip back to my notes. It says, and God raised up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. And God raised us up with Christ. We're sitting with him, guys. That's a, that's a privilege. It's just like Saul. He got to sit with the prophet Samuel. He said, come sit next to me. So God's saying to you, come sit next to me. And all the other stuff, yeah, I'll deal with that. I'll find all your donkeys for you. Don't, don't worry about that. It's everything. And I, and I really feel it. He's tugging on your hearts. He's saying, you're saying, you know what? I want to do this. And I want to encourage you to say, this is your day. This is your day. This is your day. You'll never regret it. You'll look back at this moment and say, that's the moment. The moment that changed my life, it, I was sitting in this spot and I, that's the moment. And you'll never, you'll never regret it. So if that was you, if that's you who say, you know what, I've never had, I've never had a moment. I believe in, I believe in Jesus, I, but I've just never had a moment. Keep your eyes out for it. If you're the person who says, I want to have more moments, keep your eyes out for it. If you're the person who says, what's a moment? Tonight's your moment. Right now is your moment. So I want you, um, I'm just going to pray to end. And if you're the one who's, the, I was talking about where your heart's just tugging and saying, I really just want to do this. I might be scared. My heart's beating fast. I'm confused. Just come up. We're going to have prayer partners in the front that will love to talk to you and just pray with you and listen to you and speak encouragement to you. And we're going to point you towards your destiny. So come up to the prayer partners in the front. I'm just going to pray. God, I thank you that you are amazing, that you are planning these moments for us, that we can walk in them, that we are life changers. We are the difference in our workplace. We're the difference in our families. We are the difference because you are the difference in us. 
And I thank you, God, that you're holding nothing back from us, that you've, you've laid the buffet, you've laid the feast in front of us and said, have at it. So we take it and we say, God, you're so good. God, you're so amazing that even when I haven't found my donkeys, even when I haven't found it all, you say, go ahead. You're a king. I thank you, God, that you've spoken that to each and every one of us. You've spoken it to us and we receive it and we say, let's go. Let's make a difference in this world. Let's make a difference in this city. Let's make a difference in this nation. It's stirring in our hearts, God. Let's make it happen. But the first thing that needs to happen is the change inside our hearts and the change and the, and the surrender and the, and the perspective that you're just so good and that you want to give us all good things, God. So I thank you for this moment. I thank you that we're going to look back at this day, that this night, this week, and say, that's, that's one of my moments. I thank you, God, that you're so good. I thank you that you're drawing us to you every single day, and that your goodness is so good. It is, we can't even imagine it. So we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.